All right, welcome again to church. Glad you're here. Hey, if you're watching online, would you do us a, a huge favor? If you're watching on Facebook, just kind of let us know where you're watching from. If you're watching kind of at home on your big screen YouTube, would you snap a picture of your family watching and uh, maybe share it on social media or text it to us? We'd love to just know and see your face today. Uh, we're so grateful for the blessing of technology that allows us to stay connected and in LinkedIn, no matter where we're at. We know uh, many of you get to enjoy that supplement of being online when you can't be present here. Hey, uh, a few things. Uh, why don't you open your Bible to Ephesians 6 and 1 Corinthians 14. Ephesians 6, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, and while you're flipping and turning and clicking to those spaces and, and spots in your, in your Word, uh, I want to just speak to the parents for a minute, especially parents who have teenagers, middle school, high schoolers. Today, um, our teenagers are gathering at the park. I think it's five o'clock at Gun Park. Um, and so if you haven't made plans to get there, get there. Um, parents, there's a, um, a way to stay updated um, on all the things happening as we're beginning to cultivate and add to the momentum of a whole movement of youth who are giving their allegiance to Jesus. And you can text in our our text line, 620-604-9280, um, and you can text in the keyword youth, Y-O-U-T-H, and you can stay connected, updated on things going on, uh, especially coming up in two weeks. We have something that we're doing called United Night, and this is for middle school, high school, and college age. We're going to gather, play games, eat some great food, have some live worship, uh, gather around the word of God, and just come and make space to meet with Jesus. It is free, although there is a charge to get in. Uh, it's called bring a friend. Uh, so bring a friend, get in. It is a free event, though. We're looking forward to that coming up on July the 9th. Uh, but as things are picking up and moving in that environment with that age group, parents, we wanted you to stay involved. Teenagers, we wanted you to be able to stay involved. And so texting is one way that we're going to do that. Are you in Ephesians chapter 6? All right, ready? Here we go. we wrapping up today our collection of teachings on the radiant people of God. And we're wrapping up the section where we've been in Ephesians 6. And this is what the word says. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all. Somebody say all. All the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. If you're confused as to what Paul's referring to, you should have signed up for my spiritual beings course that we're doing on Wednesday nights during summer school. He goes on to say this, therefore, because all of those things exist and are coming for you, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit. Will you say that phrase with me? Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. Somebody say be persistent. Be persistent in your prayers for all the believers that are everywhere. Let's pray. Jesus, these are your words through your spirit and your servant to us, for us. They were written to a church in Ephesus, but Lord, they have implications and applications and help for us. So Lord, as we eat and feast on your bread of the word of God. May we be strengthened, sustained, encouraged, 
and may we grow to be closer to Jesus today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Here's the question. What is prayer? If Paul tells us to be persistent in prayer and to pray in the Spirit on every occasion with all kinds of prayers, what is prayer? I think sometimes we just assume we all know what we mean by prayer. Oh yeah, prayer, prayer. Oh yeah, prayer. I know, I know, I know, I know prayer. That's like God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food. Yeah, it can be. I know, I know prayer. Prayer is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray my soul would, the Lord would take, right? Like we know some recited prayers, but what is prayer? I believe that a prayerless people are a powerless people. The, the writer here, Paul is telling you that you are in a battle. And that the enemy from all sides is coming at you. Always. You are in the times of evil. You are in this battle right now. And many of us are losing in the battle because we aren't praying. Oh, y'all weren't ready for it today. I wore my stomping boots. They're not cowboy boots, Mike. They're stomping boots. They're good-looking boots, too. They got some style, some flair. Pray always. Pray. What is, what is prayer? Prayer, if I could summarize it as best I can with three words, prayer is a conversation, prayer is connection, and prayer is communion. Prayer is conversation, connection, and communion. This is just the introduction. This is just the appetizer before the meat. But go ahead and write those three things down. It's a conversation because when you come to God, you are to talk and listen. Conversation. Conversations are two-way streets. Some of you don't have conversations. You have a, a chatting where in your house, somebody does the chatting and somebody does the pretend listening. No, no, no. We, we want to do conversation where we both talk and we both listen. Conversation because you are talking and you are listening to God. It is connection because in that moment with the Lord, in your talking and your listening, you are to be honest with God. God doesn't need you to pretend. Your pretending doesn't help you have power. God can't heal the person you pretend to be, and God can't change the person you pretend to be. He only can change and give power to the person that you really are. In prayer, we are there to be honest and offer a connection to God. In other words, if you're having a problem, talk to God about it. If it's, if it's something that is worrying you, talk to God about it. If there is something that you're trying to make a decision on, ask God about it. You can pray about everything, but don't pray about things because you think you should pray about them. Pray about things because you know you need to talk to God about them. It's about coming to God and being honest with what's happening in your world. See, we think prayer is getting God to do what we want him to do. That is not prayer at all. But we have thought that by, I just need to bring my petitions and tell God what I need and he's going to do this and he's going to do what well, he, he ain't some genie that if you rub him the right way, you get your three wishes. He is a person who longs to have connection and communion with you. He wants to have a conversation. He wants to have connection. So you can go to God as simply and honestly as you need to be. And when I say connection, when I say don't pretend, that means you don't have to use lot words when few words do well. That was for all my friends who, who are fanboys of The Office. I love you all. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to use a lot of words when you talk to God. You just have to use honest, authentic words when you talk to God. Yes. Prayer is a conversation where you're talking and you're listening. Prayer is a connection because you're being honest and open with God about your struggles, about your doubts, about your fears, about your strengths, about your weaknesses, about the problems and about the victories and all of it. But, but it's also communion, a, con a communing with God because you are being still in his presence and are being strengthened and sustained by the life that he's giving you. In his presence, 
you begin to commune, be strengthened. It's like taking the bread and the juice that we take each week when we take communion. You are receiving of the very life of God embodied in you in the spirit form. You, you are receiving of the life of the spirit of God in that moment. It is communion because you are just still, you are unhurried. You are without rush. You are just in his presence and being in his presence is what strengthens you. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is connection. Prayer is this communion with God. And when we pray, we are engaging in something spiritual. You're engaging in something internal. Uh, we, I want you to realize today that we are in a spiritual battle and prayer is part of that way in which we engage in that battle. Why? Because a spiritual battle requires spiritual strength. Prayer is a persistent act that produces strength of communion and union with God. Think about it. It's common union. Common union. It's common because anyone can have it when they're walking in the ways of Jesus. And it's union because it's not your strength. It's his strength on top of your, your strength. It's his union that you are bound together. It's being tied to him in the truth of who Jesus is. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says it like this. I pray that from his, God's glorious, don't miss this next phrase, unlimited resources. Did you know you get to talk and commune and have a relationship with a God who has unlimited resources for you? Which means that when you're flying off the handle about ready to lose your mind on your children, he has what you need. In that moment when your boss is giving you an assignment that's due in three hours and it's Friday at noon and you're like, I was halfway mentally checked out. Like he can give you the strength that you need to fulfill that and do that. In the moment when you feel disconnected and weak and vulnerable and about to give into sinful temptation, he can give you the strength that you need. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit. Why? Because God knows a spiritual battle requires spiritual strength. For you, the spiritual battle, it looks like it's flesh and blood, but it's actually a spiritual battle. It's the battle where your attitude that you have can't seem to change, but you know you need to change your attitude. That's your battle. Your battle might be criticism that you can't shake because all you do is keep running over in your mind the criticism someone said about you. you your battle might be porn that you keep indulging in and clearing your browser history thinking nobody's going to find out because it's your own secret space and place. It's your battle. Your battle might be alcohol that you rely on every day for courage to overcome fear and silence the shame that you have rather than coming to Jesus. That might be your battle. Your battle might be the Bible that you just can't seem to read consistently. And it's a battle. Your battle might be the relationship that you are simply losing in and you can't win for nothing in that relationship. That might be your battle. Your battle might be money that you can't seem to manage well. And you always seem to be getting by a bit by the demon of the two-day free shipping from Amazon. Your battle might be bitterness and resentment that you are not able to break away from and you feel bound in anger and grief. Your battle might be an inability to own your own faults without pointing others' faults out to deflecting your own failure again and again and again, you are in a spiritual battle and your spiritual battle might look like these physical things, but it's a spiritual battle and you need spiritual strength to fight the spiritual battle. A spiritual battle number two also requires spiritual weapons. Second Corinthians 10 verse three through five, Paul writes to the Corinthian church for the third time and is saying this, we are human. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> That's us. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty, somebody say mighty. Mighty, mighty weapons, not worldly 
weapons. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Why is Paul talking about strongholds and spiritual weapons within the realm of thoughts and realities and philosophies and understanding and human reasoning and arguments? Why? Well, because there are all kinds of strategies that the devil has. But his main strategy, if you'll remember from the very beginning, when we started reading in Ephesians, the devil has a a primary strategy. Here's the play that he runs again and again and again. He wants to tell you lies that placate to the disordered desires already within you from sin and then is normalized in the society all around you. It's the arguments and the thoughts and the lies and the human reasoning that, of course, this makes sense. Why shouldn't it make sense? I should love myself the way I love myself, and I should be free to love, my, love however I want to love, and I should have what I want to have. And if you've got more than what I've got, you should have to give me more of what you've got. And we have all of these human reasonings as to if you did me wrong, I should be able to do you wrong. If it's not hurt anybody, why shouldn't I be able to do a little bit of that and a little bit of this? And we have all of these human reasonings and they're holding us bound. And Paul says that's part of the spiritual weapon. It's part of the spiritual battle that we're living in. And so he says, verse 5, So therefore we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Knowing God, that's, that's a communion with him. That's conversation with him. That's prayer with him. That's a relationship with him. That's an intimate transaction with God. And so we capture those rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Why? Because a spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons. One of the ways in which we combat The arrows of negativity, the arrows of lies, the arrows of shame, the arrows of pride, the arrows that the enemy is hurling and shooting and throwing at you. One of the ways in which we combat those is through prayer that is renewing and changing our mind. In prayer, you are rehearsing and speaking some things out loud and it is shaping your thoughts in the direction of God. Prayer is a way in which we renew our mind. Prayer is a way in which we do battle with the Lord. And that's why the Lord gave us some models on how to pray. Can can I just tell you one way in which I use prayer in my own life to battle and be a spiritual weapon against the lies and the reasoning and the wrong ways of thinking that the enemy is trying to bring in my life? Can, Can I just share with you that for a minute? Would that be all right? Good, because I'm going to do it anyways. And some of you knew they're like, I'm not playing along this game. I don't want to play this game. He's going to do it anyways. You're right. I am. I, I will often pray through the Lord's Prayer linked with the armor of God. Uh, let me put the, the words to the Lord's Prayer up on the screen for you. I'll often just stop and quiet my life. And I'll sit still in the presence of the Lord. And I'll just start with our Father. You're in heaven. God, you are above it all. You reign above it all. You are beyond my own time and space. And God, you are in heaven. And you are my father. Holy is your name. Holy are you, Lord. God, I pray that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done. So Lord, where my will is out of alignment with your will, would you reveal that to me today? God, where there are things in my life that aren't producing the flourishing of the Spirit of God and the life of the Spirit, God, would you just make my will be your will and your kingdom come? Your will be done in my space, in my life, in this earth in which I live. Father, would you give me today my daily bread? Lord, you're my provider. My job is not my provider. People are not my provider. God, you are my provider. And so, Lord, there are things that I'm lacking today. God, I'm lacking a little courage to stand and preach today. Would you give me that courage? God, give me what I'm missing in my life. God, I'm having a hard time not losing my temper at things that I shouldn't lose my temper. Would you give me the fruit of self-control today? I need that daily bread of your life, God. Would you give me today my daily bread? God, my kids are walking through some things today. 
They've got some activities today. Would you be their sustenance today? Would you be their source today? Would you be their provision today? Would you be their protection today? Now give us today our daily bread. Though would you forgive me of the things that I need forgiving of? As I forgive those who've sinned and trespassed against me, Lord, would you allow my heart to be clean towards every person? People who have spoken criticism and lies and people who have misunderstood me, God, would you just help me to release them in forgiveness to you today? Lord, I said something stupid to my wife last night. Would you forgive me for that? And I'll keep moving on. And lead me not into temptation, Lord, but would you deliver me from the evil's schemes today? The lies and the deceptions and the traps that he set for me, Lord. Lord, would you deliver me from those by your spirit? So, Lord, as, 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 as a battle that I'm walking into today, Lord, would you give me the helmet of your salvation? Would you remind me today that my salvation is in you and you alone and not in me? Lord, would you cover my heart with your righteousness today so that I would not try to protect my own heart apart from your righteousness, knowing, God, that I am in right standing with you and my relationship with you is good. And, Lord, that I wouldn't walk around trying to earn other people's approval because I already know I've not been rejected by you. So, Lord, would you cover my heart with your righteousness? Lord, I, I, I tie up the belt of truth today. I thank you that I am united with Christ, and it is in him that I live and move and find my being. I thank you, Lord, that today I walk in your peace. I don't have to walk in worry. I don't have to walk in fear. But, God, I can be in your peace, in your presence, right here, right now, and that the resurrection life of Christ is guarding me and sustaining me, and so I fear no evil today. And so, Lord, I thank you for faith. May my allegiance and my loyalty to you to move me forward in you and not retreat in fear, not retreat in doubt, not retreat in uncertainty. May my life be a shield of faith and allegiance to you for me and for others who are close to me. And Lord, I thank you for your word. May your word speak to me today. As I open your word, God, would, would it be a double-edged sword piercing me and piercing the enemy? Lord, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, some of you might be like, well, I can't do that. That's because you haven't started. When was the last time you tried it? Well, never. Okay, that's why you can't do it. You're not going to be great. You don't have to be eloquent. You could just recite the very things word for word, reading through the scriptures if you want. Just get started. Just get started. It starts small and watch it grow and develop. I've been doing these kinds of things for a lot of years. Some of you are just getting started. That's great. Get started. Prayer is a spiritual weapon. You are in a spiritual battle, and your spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons. And so you can utilize things like the Lord's Prayer and the armor of God that we've been talking about to help us combat and break down the strongholds, the attacks, the schemes, and the advancements of the enemy coming your way this week. You can do that. The Apostle Paul wants us to pray consistently. He says it here in Ephesians chapter 6. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Be persistent in that. Paul wants us to be consistent in our prayer life. If you only pray for five minutes a day, but you pray every day, you're winning. You're going to start winning in the battle. You're going to start finding strength for the battle. It's not about length of prayer, but I would say it's more about your consistency that matters over time. Start where you can, but keep going in it. But Paul doesn't just say to pray on every occasion. He uses an interesting phrase here. He says to pray in the spirit. Somebody say pray in the spirit. Now, sometimes Paul gives us specific petitions that we should pray and bring to God. He says, hey, bring this care, bring this request to God, do that. But other times he generally encourages us just in prayer in general, good communing time with God. You should do that. But there are also other times that Paul specifically uses this phrase, pray in the spirit. That seems to be different when you read scripture than just like general prayer, prayer before a meal, prayer for the sick, praying for your own self, praying through the Lord's prayer. There seems to be a different kind of prayer that he's insinuating and, and, and speaking of. 
So what does this phrase, praying in the Spirit, mean? Well, I think it means a few things. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I think praying in the Spirit means that we pray aware that God is with us in the moment. That he's present. We serve a God who is omnipresent. Somebody say omnipresent. omnipresent. Means he's everywhere all the time. There is no space you can go that God's presence isn't available. That means when you're waiting in line at the DMV, you can turn your attention and your affection to Jesus and he's there with you. When you're in Walmart behind the coupon lady writing a check, go to self-checkout and know that God is with you in the moment. Right? Like, he's with you everywhere. We pray aware that God is with us in the moment and we quiet ourselves to become aware of him. You realize that when you show up to church, God's already here. He's just waiting for you to notice that he's here. That's why worship is such a transcendent time because perhaps for the first time in your day today, you actually turned your attention to him instead of yourself. Can you do this with me? Would you just close your eyes for a second? Take three deep breaths and turn your attention to God. There's no music playing. It's just stillness. And many of you are experiencing the presence of God for the first time without any music or worship or emotion. You're just aware that he's here with you. Some of you are imagining him just coming and leaning over your shoulder right now. And you can sense him literally sitting next to you. I think praying in the spirit is choosing to become aware in the moment that he's there with us. Now, before you fall asleep, go ahead and open your eyes. I still got 12 minutes on my clock and I normally go 10 minutes past it. So we got some work to do. What is praying in the spirit? I think Paul means pray aware that God is with us in that moment. Number two, I think he's saying pray directed and inspired by the Holy Spirit who lives within you. What do you mean, pastor? I mean that God, when you come to the moment of prayer, as I, as I was praying through the Lord's prayer, I did not rehearse everything I was about to tell you and everything that I prayed out this morning. But as I was praying, there were thoughts and topics that were coming to my mind. I knew I needed to pray those in that moment. That's the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind, inspiring your thoughts so that you know how to pray in that moment. So that you can be, so he can lead you in your prayers in that moment. The number, I've told you this before, one of the number one ways I believe God speaks to me personally and leads and guides me is through inspired thought. Thoughts that come that I know aren't from the devil. Because the devil don't want me to pray for people. The devil don't want me to encourage you. The devil don't want me, like, I know it's the character of God versus the enemy. I know it's not selfishness because there are things that the Lord asked me to do. I'm like, well, I ain't going to say that. You've lost your, okay, yes, Lord, I will. Right? Like, it's just, there are those moments where I know, but I also know that they're inspired because it's in align with the word of God because I've spent time reading the word of God. And you can too. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to direct and inspire your time of prayer. He'll bring topics to mind to pray. He'll bring people to your mind to pray. Have you ever found yourself driving and just people keep talking? I wonder how they're doing. I wonder what's up with them. I haven't heard anything about that. You know why you're thinking about them? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to pray for them. You don't know what's going on and you don't need to know what's going on. Your nose can stay on your face and not in their business, but you can still pray. Well, I really like to know what's going on. Yeah, but that's because you're a gossip and you need to mature. Grow up. Just pray. I didn't preach last week, y'all. I'm about to be undone. 
We pray directed and inspired by the Spirit. He'll give topics. He'll give people. He'll give you verses in Scripture to pray. He'll bring pictures to your mind to pray about and pray over. He'll create passions inside of you to pray in a directed. Sometimes my prayers, actually most of the time, my prayers by myself are very tranquil. Unless I know the Lord is kicking a gear into me to pray and intercede on behalf of someone else, typically that stirs a little bit more passion, fervency, and sometimes volume. He'll stir passions. He'll bring situations to your mind. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to direct and inspire your prayers. He's trying to lead, direct, and inspire your prayers. I think that's part of what Paul means by praying in the Spirit. We pray aware of God is with us in the moment. That's the Spirit of God, the presence of God there with us. And we pray directed and inspired by Him. Where you start and He'll add other things for you to pray. It could be any one of those things. But I also think it means a third thing very specific. I think praying in the Spirit means, number three, that we pray with language of the Spirit. We pray in tongues. Praying in tongues, hear me very clearly, is biblical. Anyone who tells you praying in tongues is demonic or not biblical, quit listening to them. They are in error in that area. It is very biblical. In other words, it's in the Bible. That's what biblical means. It's, it's true of the Bible. It's just, just keeping it on the bottom shelf for us today. Here's what prayer is. Here's what biblical means. We pray in the language of the Spirit. There are people who would say that praying in tongues is not for today, that it died away, it was for a specific season, a specific time, and it's not available anymore. I would strongly but kindly, deeply, theologically, biblically disagree. Because there is nothing as it relates to the body of Christ in the New Testament that God says he's given to us with the Holy Spirit that we don't need today. I don't know about you, but I still need some love and joy and peace and patience. And I still need the fruit of the Spirit. I, we still need the other gifts of the Spirit. This is another benefit of the Spirit in your life. Why would we need to stop? And many would say, well, because when the when 1 Corinthians 13 says, when that which is perfect has come, tongues will be done away with. Well, that which is perfect hasn't come yet. They would say that what is perfect is the Bible, and I would say it's not. What is perfect is the new heavens and the new earth, void of the presence, power, and pull of sin forever. That is going to be perfect. And that hasn't happened yet. There would be some that say, well, praying in tongues, praying in the language of heaven, praying in the language of the Spirit, that's not for all believers, but only for some believers. I, I, I don't find that argument completely compelling, but I understand it. And I understand those who would hold to that view. I don't personally believe that. I believe it's a gift available to everyone. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is poured out in your life without measure, irrespective of people. I just believe that it's the character of God to give gifts to all. And those of us who have and operate and walk in that gift, we've just learned to unlock the benefit that is there. I do believe it's an issue of discipleship more than impartation. In other words, I believe praying in the Spirit is less about some weird moment that you've had in a service and more about being around people who can disciple you in that very thing. As with everything in the family and body of Christ. Let me read you some scripture to back up what I mean by I believe we need to pray in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit is the language of the Spirit. Mark 16, 15. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages or most translations say in tongues. Ephesians 5, 17 through 20. Don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that is going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart and giving thanks for every good thing the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 
15 through 16. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ, a message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, with thankful hearts. When it says sing spiritual songs, I believe that's singing in the spirit language that he gives us. Not just songs written in a way where we feel holy transcendent spirit power. Spirit fingers as I write this song. I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad I didn't commit fully to that visual. That would have been a really ugly meme. He goes on to say this, 1 Corinthians 13. The love chapter. It's not about weddings. It's about the proper way to use the gifts that God gives us through the Spirit. Works great at weddings. It's actually about the body of Christ learning to use the gifts that God's given you through the Holy Spirit. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I don't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning there's languages on earth and there is a heavenly language. And Paul says, you can speak both. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all hearts, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And Jude 20 says this, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is praying in a heavenly language. A spiritual language, hear me, praying in tongues, praying in a spiritual language, is both a spiritual weapon and it brings spiritual personal strength to you. Now, I realize some of those scriptures didn't explicitly say praying in tongues, and we're like, okay, but what is he really getting at? What's he really hinting at? When it comes to Bible study, I think we need to understand that we use passages that are really clear to help us make sense of passages that are maybe less than clear or seems like they're written in an enigma, and we're trying to decode and understand what they're saying. I think one of the clearest passages of all of scripture as it relates to praying in tongues and the gift and the grace that God wants to give every believer who has received the spirit of God in their life is a prayer language. And I believe 1 Corinthians 14 is one of the clearest passages in the whole thing. So turn to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read you a selection of verses. Not because all of the verses aren't important, but it's easy to get lost in the weeds. And so I'm just trying to give us a summary of something this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, start in verse 1. This is, 1 Corinthians 14, by the way, is right after 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) Where he talks about love and how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit in the family of God. 1 Corinthians 14, he's giving us some instructions. He says this, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire, somebody say desire, the special ability the Spirit wants to give. The special abilities the Spirit wants to give. How how many of you have ever bought a new car before? Wave your hands, wave your hands, you bought a new car. How many of you have ever bought a new car to you before? Okay, some of you have never bought a car or you're just choosing not to participate. But when you get a new car, especially one of these newer, more updated models, it has all sorts of features that come in the car that you don't even have any clue how to work. Like your little key fob can do like 27 things. All you have to do is push one button. Like the mirrors adjust, the seat moves, it starts to warm your bottom, right? Like all of the things start to happen. The steering wheel goes up and down, like has all of these features built into the car. 
you might not know how to use all the features or even that there are those features, but that does that change the features themselves being present? When you receive the Holy Spirit, he comes with all sorts of gifts and abilities and special graces. Whether you realize it or not, you've got it. But when you begin to learn how to use all those features, it gets to be kind of fun. It gets to be enriching in our lives and we see that there's a purpose for those things. Verse 2, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to who? God. Since people won't be able to understand you, that's true. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. There's that phrase, power of the Spirit. You can substitute the power of the Spirit with the word praying in the Spirit. This is what Paul is talking about in all of these other passages that we've read. You will be talking to God. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others encourages them and comforts them. That's prophecy. Verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Paul goes on to say, I wish you all speak in tongues. But even more that you would want to prophesy and encourage and edify one another. Verse 14, Paul goes on to say, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what should I do? Well, I will pray in the spirit. And I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit. And I will also sing in words I understand. For you praise God only in the Spirit. How can those around you understand you and praise God along with you? How can they join in the giving of thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but man, it won't strengthen the people who hear you. In other words, Paul is saying this, when you're praying in the spirit, pray to God. But when you're praying in front of other people, use words people understand. And if you, he goes on to say this here in a minute, if you do pray in tongues in front of everyone else or leading everyone else and you're praying out in tongues, you better ask somebody to interpret so everybody can be strengthened. In the public gathering, this is what he's bringing correction to. They would be speaking in tongues, but nobody using the gift of interpretation that the Lord wanted to give to interpret what they were saying. People were like, I guess that was a good prayer. I don't really know what we prayed for, but amen, I guess. Paul's like, that's not helpful. Stop that. When you're praying in the spirit and you're praying to God, you don't need to interpret. Why? Because God already understands what you're saying. In fact, when you pray in your own prayer language and you pray in the language of the Spirit on your own, the Bible says you are strengthening yourself. You need strength for a spiritual battle. And there are things available to help you in your spiritual battle. And one of them is praying in the language of the Spirit and receiving and allowing the Spirit to unlock this in you. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, Paul says. But in church, I'd rather speak five words of understanding than words of 10,000 words of my own language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding about these things. Verse 39 summarizes all that he's saying. So dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid other people to pray in tongues. Be sure that everything is done in decently, properly, and in order. Friends, when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, he comes and he fills you. Luke 11, Jesus says, if you ask, you receive. And when you receive the Spirit, you receive all of the Spirit. You don't get like a little down payment of like half the Spirit. You don't get like a quarter of the Spirit filled. No, you get a full tank of the Spirit. 
All who it, all of the Spirit comes in you. Gifts, language, grace, the ability to, for the fruit of the Spirit to grow. It's all inside of you. It's all about have you begun to understand it and yield to it. In other words, you already have the fruit of love in you, but are you yielding to the love and allowing it to grow in you. Same thing with the language of the Spirit. It's in you, it's available to you, and you can ask God, God, would you grace me with the language of heaven so that I can pray in a way that I don't understand, but you know my Spirit's praying, and when I'm praying in the Spirit, my Spirit is growing strong. Friends, my, my heart and my prayer for you today is that you would quit losing the spiritual battle that you're in. And you would find the strength to stand and fight in the spiritual way you need the strength to stand and fight. And I believe praying in the Spirit is one of those things available to all who would ask for the Lord to activate and you would yield to. All you got to do is ask and begin to speak. And when I, when I learned how to pray in tongues, can I just tell you how it worked for me? I had already prayed and asked the Lord for it. I was about five, six years old. And I think sometimes it's easier for kids to, to walk in the things of God because they don't have all the baggage of adulthood holding them back. They just have simple childlike faith. And I would hear my dad praying in his prayer language. He wasn't praying so I could hear. He wasn't praying, leading me in prayer. He was just him and God talking to the Lord. And I would hear the words and I would say, Lord, I want to speak that way. And I would just begin to mimic, mirror what he was doing. This is why I think it's a discipleship issue. There's some people who would say, no, it's got to be so transcendent and supernatural. And I don't know, I think we're a little bit more human than that. And it's really okay to hear someone else and be like, this, that's what the language sounds like. Lord, would you give me my own language? And it gets you started in the process. You always start small half a syllable, half a sound, half an utterance. And the more you use it, the more it grows. Why? Because everything in the kingdom of God starts with a seed and it grows. This is a, a spiritual weapon available to you to have strength for the battle that you're facing. Some of you can't break the addictions in your life because you haven't allowed yourself to walk in the power of the Spirit's fullness. Some of you, can't get over the anger issues because you're not building your faith up to walk in that. Some of you are having trouble forgiving other people and you just need to build your faith up so that you can walk in that forgiveness. Some of you cannot control your mouth and your tongue. Is it possible that you can't control your tongue because you've never surrendered your tongue to God? sometimes learning to pray in the language of heaven and receiving the gift of tongues is where the grace of tongues is about surrendering and saying God would you fill my mouth with your language and when you pray in the spirit it builds you up some of you have this and you've done it before you've just gone quiet and dormant with you within you you just need to ask Lord would you stir this up in me fresh again to borrow Paul's language guys I pray in the spirit more than all y'all and I wish you all would pray in the spirit too every Sunday I'm over here worshiping I'm praying in the spirit most of the time before I'm bringing a message as I'm preparing and thinking and if I come to a scripture I don't understand I pray in the spirit it builds me up if I have a hard day a weak day and I'm feeling weak and I'm not feeling great or I'm not feeling emotionally engaging and I just I woke up on the wrong side of the bed I pray in the spirit why because he who prays in the spirit strengthens and builds and stirs himself up and I don't want to let the devil win in my life and I'm saying no more would you stand as we come to just a moment of closing response? Would you just close your eyes for a minute? And would you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today, Holy Spirit? Maybe he's talking to you about time of prayer and becoming more consistent being more honest when you pray, being 
more present and available and aware of the Spirit when you pray? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Some of you are ready and you want to receive the language of heaven today. Just simply ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill me and release the gift of the language of tongues through me today? Father, we are making ourselves open. Lord, some are are in a place where they're hearing about this for the first time and it's kind of piquing their interest and they want to study it more. Lord, give us the willingness to go forward. But some are, are ready to receive this fresh outpouring or fresh impartation of your spirit and, and things have grown dormant in our lives. Lord, would you give them the courage in the moment when we dismiss to go to the prayer spot and say, would you pray with me to have just a refilling of, your, of the spirit and the language of heaven and the gifts and the fruit and I just want to see it activated and growing in my life. For some of us, that's our step today. More than anything, Lord, we want to repent where we have closed off truths in your word because they don't fit in our little box. Would you expand our understanding and our heart of faith today? Lord, we want to receive every good gift that you have for us. You're a good father who gives us good gifts. And the greatest gift you give us is your spirit living in us and all the benefits and blessings that he brings into our lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's speak aloud a blessing over one another. Are you ready? Let's read it nice and strong. Ready, go. The Lord bless you. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.